Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome to the Sing Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth uh, in New York City. I'm in the city uh, along with my buddy Mike Evans back in Denver, Colorado. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am good. Boy, what a whirlwind week. You want to give yourself a little bit of a plug here? Um, I don't know. What am I plugging? <laughs> what you're going to be doing all the TV work this week. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm yeah. going to spend some time on FS1 talking with Nick Wright, kind of mixing it up, if you will. Um, yeah. No, you know, I'm just out in New York doing a little TV for Fox and um, excited to be out here. It's going to be fun. You know, the, the funny thing, my wife is such a piece of work. God love her. I, I do. So I say to her, I say, hey, listen, honey, Fox asked me if I'd come out and do some TV in New York. And I go, you know, it's the week before Christmas. So I'm not going to go unless you'll agree to come with me and I'll talk to them about getting you a ticket out there. And then we'll spend a couple of days in New York, you know, get some dinner, maybe go see a show. Like what? She goes, that sounds great. Okay. I said, awesome. So I'll book it. We're good. Absolutely. And I said, cause if you're not going to come, if you're not coming, I go, I'm going to come home after I do my game and I may go out, like instead of going out on, you know, Sunday night, I might go out on and just do shows Wednesday and Thursday and then head to my game or whatever. I'll work something out with Fox. Okay. Sounds perfect. So last week we get to it. I get it all booked. She goes, yeah. She goes, I'm really busy. I don't think I'm going to go. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I would have just come home. I come home. I think she doesn't want me in the house. That's what I think it comes down to. <laughs> She doesn't want me to see the kind of money she's spending. So it's <laughs> that's that's what's going on right now. And so she uh, said, Oh yeah, I'll meet you in New York. It'll be fun. We're gonna have a great time. And then boom, she cut the I mean, she pulled the rug right out from under me, Mike. So well, that's what I'm doing. Let's get into what was uh, another wild weekend in the NFL. And let's let's start. I, I'm gonna tee up on this one just when you think. You can start trusting the Cowboys. Wow. Cowboys going to Cowboy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just is one of those disappointing things. You know, on the road, I think Micah Parsons came out and said, hey, man, this is, like, unacceptable. This is a bunch of baloney. Um, on the road, the Cowboys have struggled. They, they just can't find their groove on the road. And, and these are the reasons that nobody in America trusts the Cowboys. Because, you know, we say it all the time, and we say it jokingly, but it's honest. It's like, Cowboys going to Cowboy. They're going to find a way in critical moments to take a dump in their helmets. That's that's what they do. And until they prove otherwise, and, and that's one of the reasons it's so important for the Cowboys to have a home playoff game. But they're not going to, based on this, they're not going to get more than one, right? If they get one, it's not going to be more than one. And... Ultimately, if they have to go on the road anywhere, nobody trusts them. 
and you shouldn't trust them. If they have to go on the road to Philly or they have to go on the road to San Francisco or they have to go on the road anywhere, does anybody trust the, the Cowboys? And the answer is no. So what's, what's the fatal flaw here? What's the disconnect when they're at home? They look like a juggernaut yet when they're on the road, it's they're three and four on the road this year. What's, what's lacking? What's not traveling? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question, Mike. And sometimes maybe it's just the way that the, the plays are, are called. You know, I always say, hey, there's a difference between calling plays and calling an offense. And how do you call your offense to give your offense, you know, when, when you have to play in crowd noise and you have to play in a hostile environment, and you have to, you know, you have to be able to do the dirty work stuff. Like, I think that's always the thing that is different. And I think a lot of, a lot of teams don't necessarily think about it this way. We're going to call our offense. Well, you know what? Your offense, you can't call your offense the way you want to call your offense when you're dealing with crowd noise and a hostile environment and some other things that happen when you're on the road. So you have to call a different offense. Um, You know, and I always go back to my time in Denver playing against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs under Marty Schottenheimer were a not a good football team. They were a great football team. And how difficult it was to play in Kansas City because they had, you know, Neil Smith and they had um, Derek Thomas and they had Dan Selimua and they had like a legit big time deep. Like, not only were they really good, but that crowd was so into it. And I've always said it's the toughest place I ever played during the course of my career was in Kansas City. Um, Just you're fighting the team, you're fighting the crowd. And every time we would go into Kansas City, Mike, we would pare down. We'd take out about 35% of our offense. Say, hey, man, we got to shit can this play. We got to shit can this. We got to shit can the seven-step droppers. We got to like we got to get rid of all this stuff, and now we've got to play with a very limited menu. And are you good enough to play with a limited menu? Like that's weather games, and and that's I think that's one of the things about playoff football when you're on the road. Like to be a good road team, you got to figure out a way to be really good at at a very simplistic kind of game plan, and it's not something that you can just all of a sudden go, okay, now it's playoff time. Let's let this travel. Let's do this. It's something that's got to be worked on from training camp. And, and I think that's why the teams that really do a great job of identifying who they are, what they are and how they're going to go about, you know, doing things in crunch time situations. That's why to me, good red zone teams that run the ball in the red zone travel you like those those type like travel come playoff time. Teams that can come off the goal line and, and churn out a couple of first downs and at least flip the field position. Those teams like that. Those are those situations when you're good in those situations. I think you'll be better going on the road and stuff. And I just don't feel like Dallas has has figured out that formula yet. Don't want to make this all about the Cowboys' shortcomings. Bills deserve a lot of credit, and quietly, Buffalo's becoming kind of scary, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Um, Cause they found, I mean, obviously they've had digs and they've had um, other guys that have produced, they've had, you know, other receivers and tight ends that have produced, 
Um, but right now, it, it, and it cooks feels like mm-hmm. to me is is that element. And I've always thought with the Bills, they're far too spread, um, and and they and they they don't condense enough, and they don't run enough, and they're not quite. You know, they they fancy themselves this college kind of aspect or football team this whole spread thing and um the last couple of weeks that it feels like they've morphed and changed a little bit into doing some things that i think are going to be beneficial to them and and let's face it i mean that was that was an ass whooping and i think it was uh i read something that josh allen said i he goes hey man i feel like i'm being rewarded for something i didn't do like it Mm -hmm. was like Reminds me of, uh, you know, it reminds me of group group projects in upper level business courses. Hey, I got an A. What did I do? <laughs> Nothing. I didn't really do. I didn't do anything. I just presented. You guys do all the work, and I'll get in front of the class and I'll present something. Here we goes. Hey, I got an A too. Uh, and he goes, "That's how I felt," but that's how it should be. Like really good teams take that pressure off their quarterback. And let's face it, man. To me, that's what that's one of the issues with the Buffalo Bills is they put the entirety, the entire weight of their football team on the quarterback's shoulders. And and like that to me is a recipe for losing in the long run, especially come playoff time. Great. It's not great quarterbacks that win championships. It's great football teams, great football teams with really good quarterbacks. Those guys are the ones that win championships. So does Kansas City maybe need to take a page out of the Bills? playbook here and perhaps what do you like to call a uh, uh, simple up and smart yeah. down or what is it called small um, up and small up and simple down sim- okay Neil yeah McCoy. yeah small up and simple down simple you down. you think buffalo's yeah. done that around josh allen after another uneven performance offensively for the chiefs and patrick mahomes maybe they should i, I yeah. and this is i know this is a derogatory term for some but do they need to chain turn Patrick Mahomes more into a game manager? I listen. I know that that has become a very derogatory term in the National Football League, but I I just don't believe it is. I believe that managing the game is is part of that, and I believe um, taking taking the onus and some of the weight off that quarterback. You know, it was in training camp. You know, Sean Payton talked about hey, pulling your quarterback off the high dive so he doesn't have to stand there on the high dive the whole time. Um, I've talked to many offense coordinators about breather plays, and I've talked to them about breather plays. Why, why do you have to put your quarterback under duress mentally the entirety of the game? Hey, man, you got to have some what we used to call like a tank play, meaning I'm going to call it and run it. I don't care what defense we get. We're running 19 handoff force, and we're just going to run it. And my quarterback doesn't have to think. He just turns around and hands the ball off. Like, those things I think are important just to let your quarterback exhale for a minute as opposed to, hey, what defense are they in? What's the leverage the cornerbacks are playing? What's the safeties? Where's the rotation of the safeties? Should I check into this or check into that? I get that the quarterbacks like, you know, they feel like they're, you know, like, oh, I'm running the show and all that stuff. But you do that for four straight quarters, man. I think it puts a lot of undue stress on the position. So I think there has to be, you know, 15 or so plays that you just give the quarterback a break. Let's give you a break on this one. Let's just hand it off and let's try to be more physical than the other football team. Watching San Francisco play offense and and watching Brock Purdy navigate, orchestrate 
that offense. It it looks like at times it's it's the easiest thing in the world. I know it's not, but he makes it, and right. that offense makes it look so easy at times. Yeah, I really think when you know, and I go back to the conversation we started with Dallas. It's the difference between calling plays and calling an offense, mm-hmm. and. I was looking before my game this weekend, and we'll do this in the uh, in the leftovers podcast uh, coming down the pike here shortly, as well. But um, I did I did Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons, and I'm looking at just kind of some stats and things that I like to look at during the course of the week and explosive plays on offense. I don't think there's anybody. I think San Francisco leads the league or led the league uh, in explosive plays, twenty plus yard plays, and I think they were maybe number one in the league on 20 plus yard passes. And, you know, analytics are so funny to me because, you know, people will be like, Oh, it's the, uh, you know, air yards per target and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And I promise you, and I haven't looked at, I don't, I don't have this stat, but I promise you when it comes to air yards per target, San Francisco doesn't lead the league in their explosive plays on air yards per target. As a matter of fact, most of those throws are inside of 10 yards that go for 20 plus yards. Why? Because they're designed. Why? Because it's the way that the offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan has called the offense. Why? It's because you threaten the defense so many times in a certain area that you get reaction when you show, you know, that fake handoff, when you show that ball, when you flag it out there, the reaction is so hard and they're so hell-bent on stopping whatever it is you've been running that all of a sudden there's a dude running scot-free, you know. It's like, hey, I'm open, and there's nobody within 40 yards of me. Like, hey, you know, and he may be six yards away from the line of scrimmage, but there's nobody within 19 yards of him. And then those guys, whether it's Kittle, whether it's Debo Samuel, whether it's Ayuk, whether it's um, check. You know, whether it's Christian McCaffrey, those dudes' catch and run ability is as good as it gets in this league. When you look at San Francisco, Purdy or Christian McCaffrey, who's the MVP? Not only of the team, mm-hmm. but, but maybe of the league. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that I would take my quarterbacks out. I would take quarterbacks out of the MVP discussion. Um, <laughs> that's That's – Smart, yes, Dumb. exactly. That's smart. I knew exactly what you were thinking. What? Smart. Wait, what do, what do you mean? It's the most important position in all the sports. It's the it's the it's the position that the league sends a very clear message through the way that they draft, pay, and protect these guys that they think it's the most important position out there. Protect them. Every quarterback in the league is hurt. What do you mean protect them? <laughs> well, try to protect them. Okay. Need to do a better right. job of protecting them. Right, right. You do a better job of protecting them if you allow the football players to play football, <laughs> you know. So, no, that's why. I, I mean, I, I think they have their – I think they're in their own category. Like, that should be – you know, it's like the Heisman. It's The Heisman isn't about the best football player. It's, you know, always about the best quarterback. Um, and I, I just feel like MVP is, is the best football player, which I would put Christian McCaffrey in there. I'd put – a guy like Tyreek Hill and what he's doing, how important he is to the football team. And so, yeah, Brock Purdy is, is playing exceptionally well. Um, and I think Brock Purdy's a, a damn good player. But I think in my MVP conversation, um, 
what Christian does, not only in the running game, what he does in the passing game, um, the fact that that he's got that kind of versatility where he can be a true running back, but he can get outside the numbers and run a wide receiver route tree if if you want him to. And he does that. Um, and he's just such an unbelievable, he's intoxicating weapon, you know? And, and I mean, he just, he everybody that has to face him is, you know, drunk on, you know, drunk on trying to stop him. And so, yeah, I would, I would say that he's about as important to that offense um, as, as anybody. And, but, you know, I, I would put, like, I would say that's why Kyle Shanahan should probably in that conversation, the coach of the year mm-hmm. um, for the way he calls that offense. And, and let's face it, come on. Like what would their record be with Jimmy Garoppolo? It'd probably be about the same. Yeah. You know, and that's probably one of the things that hurts Brock Purdy is that they, Kyle Shanahan is so good at his job and they have accumulated great players. Don't get me wrong. Uh, great players. But I think you can make a compelling argument if Jimmy Garoppolo was a quarterback, they'd have the same record. So when you look at San Francisco, I see a team that is clearly the best team in the NFC right now. Mm-hmm. When you look at Baltimore in the AFC, do you have that yeah. same sense of um, dominance, that same sense of, hey, there's this noticeable gap between the top team in the AFC, Baltimore, and then the rest? Yeah, I think there is. I think there is a gap there, and very much like San Francisco. I mean, they're very physical on both sides of the ball. They can beat you defensively. They can beat you with their running game. Um, but I think the difference is through schematics and the way um, San Francisco calls a game that gets players open, and that creates that space, and that creates all that stuff um, that we see them take advantage of all the time. In Baltimore's case, it's their quarterback. It's their quarterback holding on to the ball, scrambling around, making 14 guys miss. <laughs> and then, you know, you you have it for six. I don't care who you are. If you can hold the ball for five or six seconds while you're moving around, there's nobody that can maintain coverage. It just doesn't happen. And then his ability, you know, to throw the ball in those situations – with extreme accuracy on the run and then his ability to run the ball as well. You know, his ability to be a difference maker with his legs. Um, his, like, if, if I was going to put probably any, if you made me pick a quarterback as the MVP of the league, I would probably take Lamar hmm. because like, I don't think there's anybody that is more, um, I think more responsible for their success than Lamar is for Baltimore's success in, uh, you know, with the Ravens success in Baltimore. All right. So should Lamar Jackson be considered the MVP favorite? Yeah. The front, the front runner. Yeah. 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 I'm okay with that. He's the one quarterback. Um, my caveat would be, you know, he, he's just so, He's such an unbelievable dynamic athlete and he just does so much. Like, I think you can make a compelling argument. Lamar does more for the Baltimore Ravens offense than anybody else does for their offense. And Josh, maybe Josh Allen. And maybe that's about it up until 
Well, Josh Yesterday. Allen was six and six until they started kind of morphing. Um, and and the other thing is, you know, in in Lamar's like Lamar is interesting too because um, he lost his number one rep, weapon in Mark Andrews, and you know, and and so he lost the tight end, and yet he's been able to make that adjustment without his number one weapon, and likely has been, you know, has taken on a big you know, uh, kind of a bigger role in that offense. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair to go Lamar on that. As uh, you take a look at the the NFC South, does anybody want this division? It, it feels, tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like Tampa Bay is starting to, if not clearly in the standings, the eye test starting yeah. to tell you that Tampa, this might be the team to win the division? I think, I think, I think that's fair and I think that's accurate. And, um, you know, Baker Mayfield's got an uncanny ability um, to be his most accurate when shit's hitting the fan. Like that's when he plays his best football because you'll watch him, you know, you'll watch him early in the games where it doesn't really matter. And he's not as on point as he is in crunch time a week ago he drove them down with a couple minutes left against the atlanta falcons and atlanta had been playing great defense he put a drive together then you know they had kind of a cover two man with underneath coverage on on you know trail technique on uh, godwin and, and he put a ball just a dime over the shoulder of godwin you know right over the outstretched arm as db um, they got inside leverage from the safety on, on that particular one. So Godwin broke out and it was just a tremendous route and a tremendous play by Baker. Um, and that's where he's been at his absolute best in kind of those crunch time moments. And then I think Dave Canales, who is their offense coordinator, has done a much better job of understanding the running game, what they are, what they aren't. And basically, basically leaning into it and, and committing to it um, even when it's not as productive as you'd like it to be. Um, and so I'll give him a lot of credit as well, um, really kind of morphing that offense into what it is right now. And it seems to be taken off. I mean, to go up to Green Bay and would they hang on Green Bay, 34 points, mm-hmm. I think something like that. Like that's a big time performance by Baker in that offense. A topic of conversation, not only for us here locally in in Denver, but also playing out across the NFL world, was what happened Saturday night when Sean Payton got into it with Russell Wilson. Payton was very upset with with Russ about something, but it led to a lot of conversation and debate about, was that unnecessary on Payton's part? Did he cross a line? Did he embarrass himself? the whole idea of a, a coach yelling at a player seems pretty old fashioned and has been around a long time and continues to be around today. So what, what do you make of the firestorm coming out of, of this? I was going to call it an exchange, but an exchange right. means that both people are talking. That was, that was one way. That was all Sean yeah, delivering, yeah. delivering his message. And they name they name Rhodes after uh, Sean Payton, right? One way. Um, <laughs> So, listen, I don't I don't have any problem with it whatsoever. I mean, you've got to know your players. And, um, you know, I always tell this story about 
Mike Shanahan, I'm hurt one game and, um, oh, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what I'm coming off of back surgery or knee surgery or something, but I'm not playing. I'm standing beside Mike Shanahan watching the offense. Cause you're always watching the guy who plays your position, you know, and, and trying to, you know, make sure you're kind of being a, an assistant coach, if you will. And, uh, we had a guy get a, get a holding call and Shanahan was like, Oh, it's okay. That's a BS call. Don't even worry about it. Not a big deal. You know that? And, walking back to the huddle and I'm standing there like what? Yeah, what, what? And and he turned to me and goes, Man, if that would have been you getting a holding call out of rip your ass. <laughs> he goes, But you gotta know your players, right? And he goes, I rip that dude's ass and he'll go in the tank for three players. Right, I rip your right. ass, you'll just get pissed off. Right. Like you gotta know your you gotta know your players. And so I think there's you know, I think there's merit to that. I think the one thing we always look for and I always talk about when in regards to coaching is being authentic with your players, mm-hmm. being who you are. And I mean, you go back to Drew Brees said this in, in 2015, you and I were talking earlier on our, our radio show, 2015 basically said Sean, there, there's nobody that's off limits to exactly. a Sean Payton ass chewing on the sideline. Like everybody, everybody is fair game. And um, that's who he is. That's who he's always been. And, um, and I don't have, I don't have any problem. I'm not one of those, well, it's a kinder, gentler world now and we need to be nice to each other. And we, you know, we can't, I don't buy into any of that garbage. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't, I just, I think it is what it is. And some guys can handle that. And if you can't handle that, maybe we need new guys. Okay. And, and finally I'm, I'm watching with interest, uh, the the backup quarterbacks that are excelling around the NFL, Gardner Minshew with Indy, Joe Flacco with Cleveland. Um, you you also saw Case Keenum step up and and deliver a nice performance in Houston's win over over Tennessee. I've always felt like I, I don't understand why the NFL with, with so much at stake, so many teams leave themselves so thin at the backup quarterback position, especially if they're a team that figures to be able to contend. And I think you look at those three teams right there with veteran guys and how they've been able to keep these teams afloat and in playoff contention. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. You know, I I think teams just don't want to spend the money. Um, You know, they're looking at, hey, man, I'm spending, what, 40 million bucks on my quarterback. I don't want to have another guy that I'm spending another seven, eight million. You know, I don't want to have that much money tied up in the cap on the quarterback position. So they go cheap there. And, um, and obviously it calls him. Now, Joe Flacco was out on the street when Cleveland called and picked him up. So, um, you know, there were a bunch of other teams that could have picked up Joe Flacco. The Jets could have picked him up. Anybody could have picked him up. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that it's about managing your cap. And I always say this about the NFL in general. Anyhow, one of the reasons that um, there's such a struggle and there's so much mediocrity is because um, – you know, you signed this rookie wage deal um, all the way back in what 2011 or whatever it was, uh, or the last collective bargaining agreement, and you know, and that's been kind of the standard operating procedure. So it allows you to essentially, you know, you pay eight or 10, 12, 12 guys that are, are really highly paid, and then you try to save money everywhere else by instead of holding on to veterans that are you know making a couple million bucks a year. You go with a bunch of rookies, a bunch of young players that, 
you know, are making whatever the minimum wage is, 550 or 600 grand, whatever it is. I don't know. And, um, and ultimately those guys aren't ready or can't play. And so it, it's, it's just a, a problem that the league has in general. And I think that's another way that, you know, teams try to save money and try to, you know, bolster their cap and or bolster their roster in other areas is, uh, you know, overpay the other quarterback. And they try to keep a certain amount in that quarterback room. And I'm with you, man. Like, um, especially with, with, you know, the way the rules are and with less practice, it feels like more and more quarterbacks get hurt. Um, and so, you know, the other thing about that is more and more teams play out of spread. More and more teams, you know, spread their guys out and have their quarterback in shotgun. And um, it puts the worst athletes on the football field in the most precarious position, the offensive line. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that that I see in today's game that just kind of make me shake my – I'd go – I'd throw it back to 90s football. Like, I'd throw it back to 80s and 90s football <laughs> – and I bet you you would just run rough shot through most of the league because they wouldn't be able to handle it. Like you just beat the snot out of people. But um, you know that's me, and uh, it's not you know quote unquote sexy enough and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm looking at you right now. You look you look sexy. Your hair's having yeah. a good hair day. You're ready to go for a little TV later on in uh, in the day on yes. right yeah. on uh, on FS1. But uh, I, we don't need to. I think we're out of time. I don't think we need to talk about our picks, do we? I don't. I don't think we have time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we did make our picks last week, and I did mention that I felt like I was a three and zero, like I was going to be three and zero, and you were going to be one and two. I did yeah. think I, I gave you one. Uh, and what happened was um, I went three and zero. And you went two and one. Wait a minute, I got this. Two and one. Oh, I thought it was one and two. You no, know, one and two. You went one and what? two. What? What? You went one and two. Impossible. Yes. Impossible. You took um, Cincinnati minus three and a half. They went uh. by three. Uh, you took Indy minus two and a half, and you got that one. Yeah. And then you took Tennessee minus two and a half, and Tennessee lost. Uh. I took the Rams minus seven. They won by eight. Mm-hmm. I took Baltimore minus three by five, three and a half. Mm-hmm. They they beat up the Jacksonville Jaguars. I took San Francisco minus 13 and a half, and they blew out the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So that takes me to 26, 15, and one. And that takes you to 24 and 18. Oof. So what's that? Two and a half games behind you now? Yeah, two and a half. I think. Ah, darn it. All right. Well, still plenty of time. Insurmountable. Still plenty of time. Still plenty of time. Three three weeks left. Plenty of time. And then we start over in the, then we start over again in the playoffs, right? Fresh. Oh, yeah. You'll get the regular season title. You get the regular season title. You want to give it to me? You want to concede? Okay. No, 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 no. I won the regular season title. You just concede it. No, 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 no. All right. Hey, for everybody involved in the Sing Truth Podcast, I'm the winner. He's the loser. Um, Make sure you tune in. Thank you guys for subscribing. We appreciate it. Uh, Make sure you also tune in to the Leftovers Podcast, where I'll be talking about the scintillating game between the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons that I called yesterday. It was a barn burner. Barn burner, I tell you. It's actually a pretty good game. Anyhow, for everybody involved in the Sting Truth Podcast, for Mike, I am Mark. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you later on.